0: Thanks for joining me here on another edition of the Asheville Sound. Today we will be talking with the group Dysfunction. All right, we're here with three of the members of the band, formerly known as Dysfunction. We have Alan on the phone from Marshall. What up? Hey, hey. And we have Seth on the phone from Greenville, North Carolina. What's going on? And we have Mike Train Live and direct from Nashville, Tennessee What's going on, Mike? Hello Alright, so these guys were in a band Called Dysfunction um, Probably, I'd say you guys were a band For roughly five years, does that sound right? Four years? Um, well, me and Steph, uh
1: Were at it since we were in I guess, I guess we
0: were 15, 16 Okay, um, so that's been quite a while So you guys went to high school together Right. That's Pender Pender County High School, Pender High. Pender High. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, um, this is a show that is mostly about Asheville artists. But uh, to get things started, I want to have my old buddies on um, from this band that was active in the early 2000s, mostly around the Wilmington area. Uh, And um, I I didn't think they would mind being my guinea pigs. So, I appreciate them being on. so uh this was a band that was uh, active in in Wilmington um and pretty much stayed in the Wilmington area played around the clubs there and um I was the drummer in the band for roughly 3 years uh but they were, there were those incarnation uh before I was in the band um so uh, we'll talk about uh, the history of the band here in a minute but at first I wanted to see how you guys are doing in the current climate um Seth and Alan uh, are parents, and I know parenting uh, in this pandemic is quite a challenge. Alan, how are you dealing with this?
1: Um, so we've we've tried to really make it a an opportunity for the kids. Um, they're they're not going to get a chance to have this many days of just uninterrupted home family time very often. Um, so you know we can do our own worrying. But uh, the kids, we've tried to just be like, this is an opportunity, um, learn new skills, do new things, that sort of thing. Um, spend a lot of time in the woods,
0: uh, you know, having a good time with it. Nice. Yeah, there is a silver lining, obviously, if you use it uh, well. Uh, you can, uh, this is the, maybe, hopefully, the only time in history where we're forced to stay home and uh, we should make the most of it. Um, no, and I guess they're hopefully doing... It. we're never forced to stay home with our families again. Yeah. <laughs> And they're doing all their they're doing all their work online, I imagine, for school. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, is that going okay?
1: Um, yeah, it's uh you know it's obviously tricky for them to to stay committed to doing that. Um, and and I actually I'm a tutor, uh, for high school as well, so I'm I'm connecting with kids around the county, and you know it's it's a lot harder for them to. Really learn from that environment They're basically just regurgitating information They've already learned You know Yeah um,
0: It's definitely not ideal Right And I'd imagine it's tough for kids To really concentrate uh, in On the computer You know Without having the teacher there To motivate them And keep them on task So A lot of no, that's I, falling I, down absolutely. To the parents Yeah
1: Stand behind them And yell at them a lot
0: Exactly <laughs> <laughs> They probably have their video game Up in another uh, window Right <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, uh...
1: and you know, I mean, we we definitely uh set a schedule for weekdays mm. just to say, okay, this is this is the structure and then yeah, of course we can go in and out of it, but you know, you gotta have a couple hours of school, a couple hours of this, a couple hours of that, where they're learning more code. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. Try and keep it structured enough that they will actually do schoolwork. Because otherwise, yeah. You just like, eh, hey, get that done whenever you want to. It, it won't get
0: done. Right, of course. Gotta have boundaries. And uh, what about <laughs> yeah. what about you, Seth?
1: Well, my situation is different from Alan because he has older kids that actually have school, and I have a two-year-old. So mm-hmm. we're just chilling, basically, and having fun, and coloring, and <laughs> mm-hmm. riding bikes, and playing in the yard. So it's kind of hard to feel too worried
0: about things when you just you know it's been beautiful weather and we've just been sitting at home and enjoying it. Yeah I hear you. I have a 16 month old and we're doing the same thing. Um, She's just getting into talking more and learning the language and walking a lot more and so it's nice to be around to see her do that. Otherwise I would have been at work you know six days a week and missing most of it. Absolutely.
1: Same here I've become the stay-at-home dad because Lindsay's running the online store which is different for us our whole business we've been flipped upside down and so we're having to do internet orders and pickups and deliveries instead of
0: having people walk in to the plant nursery that we work at okay do you want to plug that uh, real quick uh yeah we can it's
1: plant and seed nursery in winterville north carolina which is basically part of greenville and uh it's a family business been there for 45 years and it's lindsey's family i started it and we're just trying to do the best we can right now with it. You know, we're trying to keep everybody safe. Um, is the most important thing, which
0: is why we're not open to the public, like Lowe's or Walmart is. Well, I'm glad that the uh, Even we, the, the state lets you stay open. I know that, uh, you know. Yeah, lo- I mean, and we could
1: we could be open to the public totally,
0: but we're choosing not to at hmm. the moment. That's yeah, that's smart. Yeah, um, and. Uh, just so the listeners know, I had a Greenville connection. I went to East Carolina uh, from '96 to '98. I got a degree there, so I did my time in the old ECU. And, uh, didn't you do some didn't you do some DJing while you were there, John? I did. Yeah, my my first degree was in electronic media, TV, radio. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is kind of my foray back into that, getting back in front of a mic. Uh, I like it. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, so I actually haven't been back to Greenville. I don't think since then I haven't had a reason to, it's, it's a funny town geography, geography wise. It's not on the yeah, way there's to anything. Not a lot of, not a lot to draw you here unless you got family. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But one of my good friends is from, uh, Greenville, Matt Williams, who you guys met at the tool show last year. He's a, he's a Greenville guy. Oh, a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh and Mike is uh a uh, working musician out in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. How are things going for you out there?
2: Oh, it's it's kind of a different uh kind of a different flavor out here. You know, it's a it's a bigger metro area, so people are a lot more on edge. Um, you know, the cops are out on the streets breaking up uh, gatherings and shit and people just aren't getting it. <laughs>
0: i'm not surprised and
2: um it you know i mean it's not like uh it's not like a it's not like riot gear in the streets or anything like that but it's just a a lot of um you know like my job was actually running up until maybe a week ago and um they were trying to finish up uh tie up some loose ends and um until it finally just shut down completely but um i was like what are you doing why why are you sending <laughs> us into these retirement communities mm. <laughs> you know and um so stopped all that just been uh using my time to play as much as i can
0: writing some new stuff i got a new doom metal project that's going on right uh, now Oh will snap what's that called
2: it's called dolos it's d-o-l-o-s
0: uh-huh. what does that mean And
2: it's it's um dolos is actually i the the name comes from these giant like 20 ton objects that look like huge jacks that they put on beaches of uh, to deter tsunami waves
0: oh and um the name is derived from like a um
2: from an ancient Greek god, who is the son of Gaia and the son of Ether.
0: Yeah, that's more like it. That's what I thought. So yeah, there had to be a god. There had to be a god. Yeah, a guy. yeah
2: it's, a, it's a Greek god um, yeah. thing. He is—he's uh, known as the father of lies because he tried to create his own human, but he ran out of clay and didn't finish the feet, so <laughs> he kind of got jacked up like that.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, well, okay. Apparently
2: that's apparently that's that's where lies and trickery is named for lies and trickery. So. Oh really? Like it. Yeah. So we uh, you know, I like to lie a lot about a lot of things.
0: um <laughs> Thought that was a good fit. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing that project, man. I'm glad you're sticking to your metal roots. um Yeah, you got to. I got the mace I got the dual rectifier, man. I gotta crank it up every now and then. Yeah, there you go, dog. <laughs> So uh, as, as you guys will probably notice when we listen to these tunes here, Mike is a guitar player extraordinaire. Um, we met when we were in the UNC Wilmington School of Music. Uh, Mike was a classical guitar major, performance major, I believe. And I was a music education major in percussion. And uh, I remember seeing Mike out on the steps, talking to some people, doing a smoke break with some, you know, between classes bragging about his band, like, yeah, I'm in this band, you know, his function is awesome, man, Let's check it out. I was thinking, who is this guy? And then, <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, um, my band broke up and uh, the, the booking agent who was uh, helping us out was like, well, I know this band has functioned, they just lost their drummer, I'm looking for one. If you're interested, hook you up. And ended up, it was Mike's band. So uh, I was the, I uh, believe the second drummer and Dysfunction, is that correct? Yeah Okay mm-hmm. yep. All right, cool Let's talk about the formation of the band uh, From from the high school days uh, So when did you guys start working on music together, Alan?
1: Um, so I always uh, wanted to get bands together And we tried a couple times in middle school Me and a couple friends um, Shout out Mike Howard Brandon and I um, And so And Joey Justice when we got to high school, I guess it was tenth grade. Uh, broke my wrist and couldn't play drums anymore. And I'd always like had a kid and everything. I was not good at it, but I, I enjoyed it. But uh, so you know, I was like, well, maybe I can teach myself to play guitar. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna learn when I come around. So it's like, okay, we'll start a band. There we go. <laughs> so me and stuff got together. Um, and made uh incredibly complicated. Uh, songs because we didn't even know we needed to tune the guitars so yeah. a lot of, yeah so what well, alan, re, alan recruited me when i had never played an instrument before in my life <laughs> and uh so we're gonna do this so i got actually got the bass guitar from joey justice i because he wasn't playing with alan anymore in the other band i bought his rig and guitar from him and started to teach myself how to play without any, you know, there's no YouTube or anything back then, right? It was without the country, so we just basically started plucking until it sounded right, and learned about, what, a handful of songs that way? Yeah. And then uh, John O'Hara uh, was a guy who had moved here from New York, and I knew he could play drums because on the bus going to soccer games, he did the bass the foot and the hi-hat-foot just drumming on his legs. I was like, there's no way this dude... Can't play drums, so we hit him up, and he pretty much taught himself to play with uh, Green Day Dookie. So he was right in that pop punk thing. We ended up going for and We did that for quite a while. Had a couple different lead guitar players. Um, played around a lot in Wilmington as youngsters uh, in clubs. They would not let us in just to get in. <laughs> they let us play. Um, then. Uh, I was working at Target and spotted a guy with a Jim Morrison necklace and also had a Jim Morrison necklace and was like, I'm intrigued. What's up? <laughs> and, uh, that, was, that was my train. And uh, got to know him and he was like, Oh, yeah, you know, I'll come try out or whatever. And just destroyed us like, you know, came and just like laid down crazy train by himself and did like the solo and everything. And I was like, Oh, so what do you guys think? We're like, you were in when you knew how to play Crazy Train. Like, <laughs> 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 there's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, uh, so stuff. So, stuff you want to pick it up? Oh, I think you covered it up to the point of Train there. Uh, one note was, one funny thing was, is when we did learn to play those first few songs with John, the first drummer, which is confusing because we had a lot of John from the band. Uh, we, we did not tune my bass guitar, ever. We just found the, note, the notes that matched the other notes that Alan was playing. And then we got a guitar player, and he came in and tuned my guitar, and I could not play the songs anymore. So I had to relearn all the songs with the proper tuning. And that was kind of funny in the beginning. We were, we, were, we were kind of frustrated with him. Like, man, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, so those are good old days. So, yeah, we played... Uh, Played when we played around a lot, and we played, you know, up to, I guess, like, what, 100 miles away, or like, Fayetteville, or somewhere like that. Um, yeah. And then, our old drummer really wanted to play guitar. Really bad. And so, um, he started doing his own side projects and stuff, and kind of drifted on. Um, and then, Mike Train showed up with John Lauder, and, Oh, world change from there. Um gonna, if you're involved in that part
0: of the story, you wanna jump back in? Oh, sure. So before I came in you had been playing shows what, for about a year with the former former drummer?
1: No, no, no. Um I would say four years, five yeah. years. Like, oh with, really? I, mean, I think he means with, with Mike train. Oh, uh, with yeah. Mike train, with,
2: with, I would, yeah, I would say, probably about a year, because I know that I met Alan in '99, mm-hmm. working, and then I think John was in the band. John Lotterer was yeah. in the band like 2000. Yeah, it was shortly that. Yeah, shortly.
0: It's probably around 2001. Uh-huh. I think that's when I started music school. So it was around mm-hmm. there. I want to say that sounds right mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So we, we were practicing in Alan's mom's house garage, is that was that right, Alan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's just this house out in the middle of farmland, surrounded by soybeans or corn Farm or whatever they, whatever the hell is out there. <laughs> near the prison. <laughs> <laughs> so this is outside of Bergall oh, Pender County. Uh and so there was no one around so we could make as much noise as we wanted to, which was awesome. we uh, did. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. <laughs> so the band consisted of uh us and um trevor on, on keys and trevor is absent uh, because he's probably on a shrimp boat somewhere i guess uh is, is he yeah, i so. is he still yeah, scallop, is he still scalloping yes yeah. yeah, as far as i know okay yeah I, I haven't heard much about him in a while what's uh is, is he just like up in alaska or something or where, where is where is he centered out of
1: well, he stayed in Wilmington But he scalloped out of uh, Like the northeast coast Okay Somewhere up that way
0: Okay like Maine Around there
1: Uh, Yeah I think it's a little I don't think it's quite that far But okay. yeah Somewhere in In those cold areas up there
0: Interesting And he's married with kids as well Right
1: Yes he is He has three kids Which actually He may he was home uh, Trying to homeschool him, But I don't know You know he comes and goes I don't know if he's going back On the boat or not
0: Yeah Interesting. Okay, but you stay up with him, Seth?
1: A little bit, yeah. We try to.
0: All right, cool. All right. So he was also a classmate of yours, right, Pender High? Yeah. Right, okay. Yep. he, he a- didn't join the band till later though. He joined right
1: before, you know, when Mike trained Jordan, basically. Okay. And
0: and then it went from there. Alright. Was he on the soccer team with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's funny how dysfunction yeah. kind of grew out of the Pender High soccer team.
1: Yeah, soccer uh. <laughs> was a big core part of all this yeah. in the
0: beginning. <laughs> it was, Right, okay, and then after um, the, the garage band days, uh, we moved to the barn, uh, and this was a, a house, I believe, that you had not far from your mom's house, kind of the same area out in the farmlands.
1: Well, we're about 15, 20 miles away, but yeah, definitely farmland, and... uh had an area for us to clean as
0: our own. Right. So this was a house that had a, a separate barn and we were occupying a, a space in the barn and right across the wall from goats and sheep and chickens, all sorts of things. We would <laughs> we would stop a song yeah, and we would hear animals, we'd hear the goat talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we were right at
1: home. Yeah.
0: yeah so yeah, we were exactly. the barn band at that point. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, in the Wilmington music scene, do you guys want to talk much about that? What, what that was like around that time?
2: Um, yeah, it's it was kind of uh, the startup of um, actually a pretty popular genre nowadays. Yeah. Um, the sludge rock, you know, like Weed Eater, um, ASG um, bands like that. You know that you'll find on at you know festivals like Hellfest or something. Which they canceled this year, sadly, but um, uh, that whole kind of sound kind of came out of Wilmington area, and everything the, was in
0: Drop D or Drop something. eater was yeah, below so D. There. I don't know where they were. They were in C. I don't know. I remember seeing them at yeah, Bessie's were, a few times, and they were just loud, really heavy. It was it was a little heavier than what we were
1: used to playing, I think, and I think it was part of. How
2: we we struggled to find a, a spot because of that. Really, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny because it was like sludge metal and then reggae, which
0: right. yeah, John, you yeah. were really. I big did both. I did a little bit of both, there. actually. Yeah, uh, yeah reggae man. reggae paid very well, though, so that's why it was pretty popular there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty good, blow rock
1: scene, kind of underground there too. Um, when we were coming up, at least we used to play with a lot of more punk rock
0: bands. <laughs> yeah, so what yeah, were some of the clubs What were some of the clubs we can uh, remember from back in the day? Of course we played at Lucky's a lot, which was the kind exchange. of The Exchange. The Exchange, right. Firebelly, uh, that's an old one. Firebelly. And of yep. course mm-hmm. B- Bessie's downtown was my favorite mm. when it Beth- was there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um there wasn't many more clubs for us bands like us to play. We played a few other places, but they were kind of one-offs. Uh, yeah, but we it.
1: we did go to Virginia one time before you joined, but that oh. was like a couple clubs, no big deal. Gotcha. But but like uh, going back for a second to like where we fit in and that sort of thing, I feel like uh, in retrospect, you know, the the message we put out was you know this is what we like to play, and you know if you came and saw us. There's a decent chance you're going to enjoy yourself, but that, that's great, and we're happy about that. But like, this is what we're into right now. I mean, we we played a, a many, many different styles, you know, throughout our throughout our run, and I, I always felt like, uh, you know, we were doing it for us, and it was it was good that everyone else liked it, <laughs> but but it just felt like this was important and special to us, so that we, you know, that's why it was. That's why we authentic.
0: I think that's what to people that did come and see a show. Okay. Well, I know that your sound initially uh, was more of a pop-punk vein. Uh, and then I remember we got together when I joined, right after we had all seen uh, the Tool Tour. I think it was the Ladderless Tour in Raleigh. Uh, and we were all kind of buzzing from that. Uh, I, I think we had gone separately, and I met you just after that. Yes. Yeah, I think that's how it worked. correct. Yeah and and so we were we were all very hyped up about what we just saw and heard uh and uh, it, I think that shaped a lot of what we uh did after that um drawing from the influence of Tool of course and uh and
1: Pink Floyd
0: and Pink Floyd yeah
1: yeah so Pink Floyd bands <laughs> like even like Mars Volta and stuff like that like we really, were really into that at that point
0: Yeah Volta dropped Volta, um,
1: Volta, a lot of jazz a lot of uh, Miles Davis and Herbie
0: Hancock and mm-hmm. Bitches brew and Yep. All that stuff. I was just getting exposed to that kind of music from you guys from John and Train and that was like mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah, and of course Mr. Yeah. Mr Bungle and all that. Oh yeah, Mr. Bungle. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was definitely
2: a it was definitely a different trail, um, whenever John joined the band, uh, as to where we would just get together and play the set list. We were now playing the songs that we were writing plus we were making a important effort to improv a little bit with our live show and Not a lot of practice
0: <laughs> the forever jams the,
2: the yeah. forever Jams. <laughs> the stream of consciousness
1: born
0: <laughs> yeah we have a few of those on tape man uh, we we found a, a live um tape of us playing where we just jammed for 20 minutes just just played Oh, man. and this jelly
1: when you played the Bobs
0: that's at right the beginning is
1: one of my favorites
0: that's right and then it morphed into some crazy tribal madness <laughs> yes. I think I think just, uh, Alan had his <laughs> hand drums there and it just it went off the rails uh,
1: I believe that one is up on Alan's uh, Soundcloud actually if you know the address Alan
0: yeah uh, I'll be posting uh, I'll be posting a Soundcloud okay. link uh, okay, uh, on the cool. YouTube cool. when we do this so uh, if you listeners want to hear um, uh, what we did, uh, it, this was pre-YouTube days, uh, pre-digital video days, uh, so, you know, I don't think we have any video, am I right, of what we did? Nope. right? I don't think so. Yeah, so... That was not a, that
1: was not a thing back like there. There's yeah. a VHS tape. <laughs> My trade yeah.
2: There's a VHS tape somewhere, yeah. and it's got the dragon on it, too. Okay. <laughs> and they just rumors. It's probably so far up Trevor's butt crack, we'll never see it again. <laughs> no, he dropped it over the side of the boat, and that's why he keeps
0: going out there. And to find it. <laughs> 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 I want to say someone filmed us doing the Battle of the Bands at uh, Level 5. Does that sound right?
1: Yes. We were on I TV the... for a second. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think they had cameras up there when they were doing it.
0: But... Right. Knows. Right, okay. We didn't. Yeah, this is like no. This is the,
1: these are the MySpace days, I think. This is like,
0: this might be before that. I don't, I don't even think that was happening.
1: You might be right about that.
0: Yeah, because uh, I remember MySpace was <laughs> kind of starting to happen when I moved uh, out to Nashville. Maybe it was a bit before I remember, that. Uh, I remember the
1: the girl you were dating at the time, John, said that uh, the band was like a like open ended, unfinished art project. And I think, I think it was like meant pejorative, but I kind of took it as like, yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what we're
0: doing. Well, I think she she meant unfinished as a dig, but. Uh, oh, I know. I, mean, I,
1: mean, yeah. you know I, I think she did. But, but I, I was like, oh, well, you nailed it. <laughs> Joked on you. I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the Wilmington music scene at the time, uh, yeah, it was either loud, sludgy. Metal or you know one guy with an reggae funk at the beach. right yeah. or Jimmy Buffett cover band or you know yeah there okay. you go. yeah uh, so we were in there somewhere in the middle uh, I remember we had a kind of a hard time finding a following besides our friends which is kind of a common story with a lot of bands um, but I just assumed it was because our music is just kind of challenging and our songs were long so you had to have a bit of a uh, attention span to get through it. And we did not play many covers. No, we did no, not really at all. And when we
1: did, we tended to be like, "What would it sound like if we did this
0: song?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember we would try to do covers, and we would play one maybe at a show, and then decided it didn't work, and we never do it again. That was kind of the, that was the pattern.
1: <laughs> or, or your singer would get really, really whiny about having to sing it. Like, uh, <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Immigrant song, man. That was just me. <laughs> <laughs> All y'all got to do awesome stuff, and I got to
0: go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Alan had this effects pedal that just ended up taking over the entire mix every time we played. I'm not sure how. What effects pedal was that, Alan? The Digitech
1: What? What is that thing? Digitech. I think it was a V100, maybe or something like this. Yeah. High-dollar piece of equipment at the time. <laughs> um, no, there seems to be like I don't know. I always felt like uh, I was most comfortable sort of competing with you guys through the mix. But there was a lot of interest even before you joined the band. I'm just like, man, we just can't hear you. We can't hear you. We can't hear what you're saying. Can't so what you're saying. so are like, people would turn me up quite a bit. And then eventually, you know, I mean, I got that pedal. It was really fun to make a lot of noise. So that. <laughs>
0: I guess part of the problem was if you were to change a setting on the pedal the volume level wasn't the same between settings and the lazy sound man would just not even bother to change the level you know if you change the setting so you know if it just got suddenly loud then that's how it's going to be yeah that's the way that's well, sometimes up. it just felt like a, you know
1: like it's fine that that's how they felt like it should sound but I was perfectly happy <laughs> just being like a uh, even competing voice you know? mm-hmm. I never. I'm not so much of a like
2: singer-singer I'm more of a just a vocalist like I'm up here expressing
1: thoughts uh, you
0: know yeah you were really good at uh, creating space I remember you would you know you would go yeah. long spans of just there would be no singing and all of a sudden you're there uh, which uh, I always appreciated that you weren't the kind of singer who needed attention all the time which a lot of, a lot of front men need uh, so that, that, was, that was kind of those, Yeah.
1: I mean, when I when I was trying to write lyrics, like you know, I'm, I'm definitely my own worst critic or whatever. And like, yeah, I would I would write something, refine it down, take out stuff. Okay, that sounds all right. Nope, still too bulky, still too much. And just once I've said what there is to say, that's the same as Mike Train doing a solo, or you know, like, or you doing, you know, just. Once you've once you've said what you have to say, you need to let everyone else say what they have to say.
0: Yeah, and that's a very mature yeah, attitude to have at such a young age. So that's what
1: I liked about the way you sing—is you sang. You had, like you said, you had things to say, but you also treated your part as a as an instrument, as a part of the band, not just something over top of it. Yeah, and yeah, it made it <laughs> well and it's not. I mean, I think we I think we like kind of saw a glimpse of that when we were younger. Um, there was a time like a production company came to like see us and they were going to sign up and this type of stuff. And, and like we saw they were kind of like already starting to be like, oh, smile at the audience and you come out front. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's just not what we were doing or whatever. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Now, are there any uh, particular performing uh, memories that you guys have of it? Uh, a particular show that stuck out in your mind from those years ago?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I feel like I could probably pull you out of a little nugget from every single one because it, it always felt really special, like, in that group of people. Like, there was a lot of powerful energy amongst emotion But, uh, more than a, a show, you know, uh, during Inconspicuum, um, whenever... We get towards the end, and Mike changes is just doing that, like, hard-charging guitar part, like, I don't think I ever did not just, like, stand there and just, like, smile really deep. It was just it was beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, Inkspicuum is a, is a great tune, and um, it, there'll be a link to it uh, on this page if you want to listen to it. Um, okay, so let's, there's three songs that we're going to touch on. Um, of course, we wrote many songs but uh there's there's three in particular we're just going to focus on and, and talk about a little bit. Um we'll start with um step to it, which I believe was probably one of the earlier songs that you guys had written, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, Very true. Do, you, do you remember the what the beginnings of that song were like? Who was the main songwriter there?
2: I believe it was uh, the the light Train riff. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the riff it was one of the one of the few ones that we wrote whenever i was in the group and we did a couple but that was the one that had the 5-8 or no it was it was yeah it was 5-8 i think it was an odd meter beginning and then the rest of the song goes to even meter and then comes back to an odd meter in the end and I thought that was really
0: cool. Was that, <laughs> that your first was foray? The, the,
1: the first time I had ever played anything in a odd time signature. Yeah, doing it, finger quotes that you can't see. Yeah. Because I don't really still understand that. I just played. By... like <laughs> 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 the play there?
0: <laughs> yeah, that song was that part was in seven, uh, and Mike was that the first time you'd written something in an odd meter? I think so.
2: I I really think so. It was a lot of like trying to write songs that sounded like Guns N' Roses or Led Zeppelin before that, and then I think that just kind of I don't know where how it
0: kind of bubbled up. But yeah, that song um, doesn't sound like any of those bands. It has more of a Mars Volta feel. But this may have been before we're you even heard Mars at Volta. The dri- at the drive-in oh. at that point in time. There you go.
1: I would say if I if I was correct.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. you would be. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. So that's probably our more punky song out of uh, all the tunes that we had. Uh, kind of a fast uh, punky feel for the most part. Um, and uh, Alan, can you give us any insight onto your lyrics? Um, so
1: the lyrics are about a new worker strike in North Carolina um, in the early 1900s. Um, for better wages and better conditions and that sort of thing and then uh they brought in stabs but the stabs weren't even to work the stabs were just to attack them and uh i just thought that was like a powerful thing to have happened um and, and i was i guess i was 17 or 18 when i learned about it something was, like kind of blew me away I was like oh crazy um so the the first part step two part one is basically about that uh, event and sort of my take on that, um, and then Step Two, Part Two, kind of traveled further down that line of thought to, um, at the time, George Bush administration and that sort of thing, sort of using, uh, using kids to go and fight wars, um, and you know that sort of thing. But
0: uh, yeah, that was that's the, that's the rest of it. I won't, I won't go on <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about the mill worker story. Um, so this song is in two parts two movements if you will uh the second movement that's the the slow bluesy part right
2: mm-hmm. right well yeah it's got a slower, slower. intro yeah and that, yeah the, the interesting thing about part two is that we crafted that all together the together four yep. of us that was, that was the first good. thing we ever did
1: together i think because we had had the part one and it kind of came out of jamming um after the song Was done
0: Oh Okay
1: And then Train And then Train Crafted it into a more st- Structured Guitar riff
0: yeah. yeah That's right It has
1: that just like Nasty like the, that first one, it really kicks in oh, yeah, that, That'll that
0: Make you stand up And take notice Yeah So that's like, kind of A, a slow burn wind. build it starts slow And bluesy yeah. And Mike's laying it down And then as he starts To ramp it up The the tempo Starts to come up to the original tempo, and then we're we're back into it for the outro. And then uh, Alan and, and his uh, monstrous yeah. <laughs> the, I think we have a, we have a live uh, recording of when we get to that part, and you you say those uh, yes, and it, it blows out the PA. It just it just completely yeah. destroys everything. I
1: really I to like to yell along with that whenever that happens. <laughs> 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 also, that song you're, you're that was talking the most about, polit- the political song we ever did too, and it kind of became, it, it grew and grew because, like, as whatever was going on in the world was happening, like Alan would insert more current events into that song, and it kind of just grew and grew into this its own thing. Oh,
0: so
1: that one, had, that one at the was it was it was good. It was uh, it was definitely one that. You know, you could look where we started And where we ended up And like, okay Like, I think you were right to call them movements earlier mm-hmm. Like,
0: you
2: know We yep. really, yeah, you know, put a lot into it
0: Well, a lot it of our tunes are looking like that
2: It was definitely a divergence from writing songs about girls
0: <laughs>
2: yes, 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 yeah, Yeah, like I it was that first Even girls, and, uh, Even girls beautiful as Christina Ricci <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like uh, all the all the songs you write Whenever you're a teenager about breaking up with somebody, or somebody broke up with you. This one was like a little more mature content. Yeah,
1: that's very true. I that. It was our first really adult <laughs> take <laughs> on perspective on the world, more than just looking through your own relationships. Right. And that's one. That's one thing is, is pretty cool that we've had the chance to record at so many different points in our lives. You know, me and uh, Seth and. John, the first drummer, you know, we we recorded like 20 songs when we were 17 years old. So like you can look back and listen to yourself, write these goofy love songs and (laughs) stuff like that. And then, you know, we have two or three albums across to go, okay, we came from here to here. It's it's been, been, uh, I don't know, it's, it's definitely a journey.
0: I hear you. Well, most bands are. You, that's, that's probably all we can say about Step to it so let's give it a little bit of a listen. This is Step to it by Dysfunction. Back here with Dysfunction uh, next tune we want to highlight is the song uh, "The Dragon." Uh, so this is another tune that can be split into um, some movements. It feels like uh, the running time is, is rather long, like a lot of dysfunction songs. I think it ran somewhere in the eight-minute mark. Um, I it was nine. Was, nine. It, was so- it nine? <laughs> Depends on which recording it was. And uh, <laughs> and Mike, Mike, was this your creation for the most part?
2: Um. I believe so, most of the the, the music, the, the part that, we've got like a different version on the Twilight Sessions, it's called The Dragon, and then there's another version that was edited called The Dragon Egg, um, but all of the, most of the music, yeah.
1: Yeah, the mel- the, the theme of the whole song, the melody, all the, the main parts of the whole song was Mike Train, he, he, he had
0: it all, he brought it to us home. Oh, really? Yeah, it's already yeah. it's already finished.
2: Pretty pretty much. I mean, the yeah. the the first part, the the part with the bow, was expanded whenever we were all playing it together. But pretty much the middle part right. and then the the last uh, three three part, you know, the the swing beat part.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess I was wrong. So maybe the intro wasn't. You didn't have, I don't know if you had an intro set with the organ actually I think we all came up with that together
2: we did so we did. yeah that was more yeah. expanded because we started playing it with John O'Hara yeah. and we didn't I was about to say we i think do the boat part with him
1: yeah I, I really think that uh that was a moment where John O'Hara knew he, that we were headed in a different direction like i would, on, I would agree
0: but mike mike did you have the title the dragon already
2: yeah well um uh, that sort of Ooh. bubbled up out of um
0: some very experimental times uh-huh um it was uh
2: the the first time um that i had ingested some lsd
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um I shut my eyes and discovered that my spirit animal was a dragon because what I saw behind my eyelids was a red dragon that looks like glass rising up out of a golden ocean, and it flew off. And it was at that point that I knew that that song was going to be called The Dragon.
0: Very nice. I I don't think I knew that story. That's good. Beautiful.
1: And that's what shaped the intro, really. I mean, the whole intro is more of a visual, in my mind, is like a visual landscape of you discovering the dragon. Mm-hmm. When, and mm-hmm. something else cool, uh, so the lyrics to that originally are on a different song that's on one of our earlier albums, and it just always felt like the lyrics were a lot bigger than the song we put them over, and like they just needed something else and like a my train brought that
2: and like immediately like this is where they got. like this is this is good yeah they um, were so that that the the poetry that alan put over that was really fitting for the feel of the song and where we were headed at that time in our lives uh, socially and as a band um it just was just the right timing for it
0: All right, cool. Let's take a listen to the song The Dragon by Dysfunction. And we are back here with this function uh the last song we're going to uh highlight here is the waves or is it the waves or waves the waves the waves okay and this is another uh, mike train composition i believe uh, musically so mike what was yeah. your inspiration here
2: yeah so this one i actually started to to, to dive into a lot of odd times and um trying to paint a picture musically um um, i was out on a boating trip um with some buddies out near southport um kind of close to wilmington and we're going over to this island i can't remember the name of the island but it had like a cabin on it i think like people would go camping out over there but it was uninhabited and we would go over there and the The trip back that night, it was so cold, and the waves were getting really rough. It was about to storm, and all I could see was this huge, full-ass moon just shining down, just lighting up everything, and in the midst of all the turbulence, it was just a cold, brilliant, calming effect um, to focus on that. Yeah, full-ass moon. That's what that does. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so yeah, then started, um, uh, with some themes and, um, I was trying to stick to like, I'd, I kind of feel like, you know, people tap their foot to four, four, four time, you know, it's, it's, they feel like it's natural, but I kind of feel like five is more natural for the human mind. Um, and it can be, if you, you might have to. Train yourself a little bit to feel like that is, but if you think about it, we're a torso with five appendages sticking out of it two legs, two arms, and a head. On our hands, we have five fingers. On our feet, we have five toes. Um, I just feel like it's a little more natural. So I like a lot of two over three, two plus three equals five. I like a lot of five, four, you know, and you can trick the listener um, by playing. Um, like the uh, quarter note triplet trick in an odd mm. time kind of makes it sound even mm. and I think that's a lot of what you did with the drums too you kind of f- turn the beat on its head every other measure and it it just feels it, it still feels natural although it's it's all basically in five there's five four with triplets and then it goes to like a five eight part like a really quick part and then there's some three four stuff in there and there's actually four four comes up and it just goes back in with those parts um and then there's the end which is you know like a warm hug or a walk in a on a sunny trail or something.
0: Oh, that's yeah. right, with uh Alan playing harmonica, yeah. right? Mhm. That's right. Beautiful. That was little a blues outro. Um yeah. and Alan, did you write the lyrics on this one?
1: I did, and it's actually interesting. Um so this is probably to my knowledge, the only time Train has ever like, came to me with an idea in mind for lyrics. Um and he didn't limit me in any way. But he just said this is what I'm aiming for and you know usually we all work sort of like uh sometimes you're the painter sometimes you're the palette you know like uh, sometimes you're you're underneath and someone else is painting and sometimes it's your turn and so you know i, I had a lot of freedom writing lyrics usually so at first i was like oh, you know worried to let him down and that sort of thing because he was very specific about it but um you know he, he told me the story and being out on the waves in the midst of all this chaos and having this one thing to focus on it sort of guide you home. And, uh, you know, he uh, just really pushed me and it ended up being some of my favorite lyrics I've ever written really. Um, but it sort of just felt like, you know, you can be tossed about on the regular sea, but you can also find yourself sort of tossing around for meaning in like sort of a mental sea, obviously. Um, and then, you know, he's, you're searching for understanding of yourself, but like if you sort of step back and kind of try and look at life as native or, or, or all the elements it's made of rather than focusing so self so consciously on yourself, and you know, uh, sort of that journey of understanding. And by the end, you're there, and like Train said, you know, you're a warm hug or a walk on a sunny trail. Um, and those things are the things that make you happy, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah, it, okay. was, it was a
0: challenge and, and he definitely pushed me And, and uh, I, was, I was better for it Nice Well, Mike as a way of pushing everybody musically uh, And sure. I, I know I did a lot of growing in that band Musically too And uh, it, it served oh, me my well dad. Later on down the road uh, And Mike went on to do um, More arranging for this song uh, For strings, I believe uh, Mike, uh, give us some background On that project Oh, um, well, I was trying to put together um,
2: a a symphony, and um, still in the works, but it was, I think it's going to be the second movement. I'm taking four songs that we did. I'm going to do Waiting for Godot as one of the movements, The Waves, um, The Womb, and The Dragon. That's going to be the final movement. Wow. That's going to be awesome. Um, So, I've got The Waves done. Um, I'm still kind of, you know, lazy.
0: <laughs> well, That's a big project. Uh, but now's, now's
2: now's a better time than any for me to work on something like that because it just consumes me.
0: Yeah, we have nothing but time now. Uh,
2: yeah, like I, for the for this for this project, I think I worked on it maybe maybe it was like a month or something. I kept coming back to it, and once I discovered that I wanted the the oboe to be the lyrical part of it it kind of fell easier kind of started to come kind of started to come together easier Then.
0: so you're having to write but you're was, to write for all just, all the instruments in the orchestra full orchestra
2: yeah yeah it was it's for full orchestra um it's uh you know the the ending part is like a a string quartet um the beginning there's a lot of horns um i tried to put elements of what you did on the drums in there uh, be it piano or other percussive instruments um, and uh, timpani and stuff like that Um, the vocal melody is the oboe part it's like an oboe solo um, you know that happens while the verses are going on and um, uh, everything else everything else kind of already had the idea for it you know like how the what what the strings would do. The strings were going to mimic what the guitar was doing. Um, you know, and there was piano and stuff in there, so there, there were parts that were easier to get together, but probably the most difficult part was um, following the vocal melody and transposing that, or transcribing it first.
0: And, yeah, and then, well, transposing... It... Period is probably one of the hardest parts for uh, composing for orchestra and arranging, because you mm-hmm. have you have to know, of course, the the key of all the instruments and what their range is, what they can handle, you know, what, what's uh, what they can actually play in the real world, uh, yeah, as, as opposed to on a Sibelius or whatever.
2: Spent a lot of time listening to it because I was doing it from ear, like uh, like I knew what my guitars were doing because I actually have old notes from those the uh, initial writing of the song whenever we played it. Um, But I was just listening to Alan singing, trying to take that.
1: (laughs) When you were doing that, when you do that, when listening to the singing,
2: do you play it on your guitar to find the notes or did you play it on a piano or how do you? I think I was using my guitar because I was just sitting there listening to it, uh, running it back. So once I had a line and it, you know, follow a pattern as, as well, like most melodies do, you know, once I got one, right. you think I would it was easier to get that? write that out, and then any deviant deviances from it, any mm-hmm. diverging, you know, ri- like rising notes or anything like that, that he did differently in different parts of it, but That's it definitely, name. it definitely ramps up, and, um, you know, the, he really went out there the last verse of it, so... It, it's it's different. It's not the same. Verse one, two, and three. I think they're all a little bit different.
1: Uh, so this is a good time to say. I think that that my train and John were always very uh, musically um, inclined and <laughs> schooled. You know, like in the band, and me and Alan were kind of the opposite of that. Like just learned on our own, and it was it was a, always an interesting uh,
2: dynamic. I think between the four of us. It's interesting. That's, that's good that you say that. And it's interesting because, um, one of my favorite points to make whenever I'm having a conversation about this with somebody is that, um, any kind of skill that, um, I might have practiced or any kind of discipline, like trying to learn something, I see it more as a tool for making art. Not so much. I know how to do this so I can do it. Right, You know, or, you know, why would, you know, I, I've, I've learned this mode so I can solo over this, you know, over this comp section in the song for forever if I want to. It's like, yeah, you, you learn how to do that, but you're either going to – it just depends on what kind of artist you want to be. And I think we all – kind of came together on that fact is that we saw this as an outlet to where we could make art more than you know making songs to be rich and famous or you know perfect songs to go on the radio we were were definitely making art it it goes back to what alan was saying how we made music for ourselves
0: yeah more for ourselves than for anyone else really <laughs>
1: Which is, well, I mean, okay. I mean that's sort of uh, uh, totally Well, and, and that's the same as some of the bands we were listening to. I mean, you, you think about uh, Mister Bungle, Bungle, those that like step up, you know, in just your average club. No one wants to hear that, you know. But it is some of the most complex and beautiful, like creatively rich music you're going to run across. Tools the same way. I mean, there's plenty of people that would just be like, "Ugh, what is this noise?" But you know. The, the unexamined life is not worth living, so we weren't really concerned about
0: those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always appreciate a raw talent as opposed to school talent because raw talent is real. Uh, I mean, you could go to school for you know well, your whole life and learn how to do something, but still not really have the, the raw emotion it takes to make art. So that's, that's why I I
1: think all, all of us had that raw emotion and y'all just were happened to be well-trained, which was amazing to me. It it taught me so much and just, and we, I think we pushed each other in different directions or pulled each other in different directions,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. because of the differences in our Mm -hmm. and we were, we were all affecting each other in that way. Like, you know, if you weren't going to school, but you were seeing something differently Musically and what you wanted to achieve—that was influencing the guys that were going to school and yeah, sitting yeah. in front of the music for hours too. Yeah, me and stuff. School was uh, driving around his Camry, just like you know,
1: <laughs> dissect, dissecting songs down to like DNA level, like just pulling them apart mm-hmm. and just you know learning every twist and turn the intricacy of it, and like you know. Uh, when you care about something that much you know it, it, it's gonna it's gonna show and whether that be talent or whether that just be your dedication to expressing yourself like you know we all had it mm-hmm.
0: yeah it was a it was a great band for the time and uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have been it with you and i appreciate you taking the time here to uh, to be with us um but that being said we've talked about waves uh, so let's take a listen to waves by dysfunction You just heard the Dysfunction version Of the Waves The original recording And then Mike took that And um, Put it into The Sibelius program uh, For an orchestral score Of that same song And we are back And uh, I'm going to Let these guys go Because we've been on For about an hour now Uh, But I will have links To everything That we have available Online for listening uh, Here on the page Uh, So uh, let me know What you think In the comments and uh, Alan, Mike, and Seth, I appreciate your time, and I hope you guys take care. Have no, a good day.
1: you later, you, man. all of you. Yes, indeed. And if if people like it, maybe we can come back and do three more songs.
0: Yeah, we'll do <laughs> we'll do a deep dive later on. <laughs> just, yeah. the, womb, the womb needs to be discussed. At some point. There's many tunes, sure, many sure. too many too many to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, i 15 minutes long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: and that does it for another edition of the Asheville Sound thank you for joining us and until next time y'all take care now
2: Music starts in the mind, and the heart continues in time, forever, as art and recording can either be tough and annoying, or something that's clearly more lush and rewarding. It's gotta be better than just good or great, it needs to hit hard like Babe Ruth at the plate. From rock, hip-hop, and dance music to blues, or pop, hard bop, and swing music, you choose. As a working musician, I can truly relate. So let's rap about your project and schedule a date. My name is Matt Williams, producer at The Eagle Room. I'm grateful to have helped so many artists create their music in this wonderful space, where together we have the talent and tools to bring ideas into reality. The Eagle Room is an efficient full production recording studio with in-house mixing and mastering, high-quality equipment, and award-winning attention to detail. Visit TheEagleRoom.com to find out more.
0: Virtual live streaming online music lessons are here. Need to brush up on your guitar skills? Improve your singing voice? Remember how to play that old dusty piano in the corner? Well, Asheville Music School has you covered. They teach students of all ages, yes, adults too, and skill levels, and any style of music you're into. Visit AshevilleMusicSchool.org to inquire and learn about dozens of great music teachers. Asheville Music School is a nonprofit organization strengthening Western North Carolina communities through music education and outreach. Once again, visit AshevilleMusicSchool.org for all of your music learning needs.